All right. Thank you. Yeah, I might need that. Yes, thank you. Hi, my name is Jeremy Martini. I hobbled across from next door. Um, I'll just address my little hobbliness. I don't normally walk this way, but I, I had a I had, I had an injury skiing, going a nice sweet run through the moguls, and uh, I ended up after 40 plus years of downhill skiing, the first time I ever got to be that guy that going off on the back of the snow machine. So did, did you guys see the men's moguls in the Olympics? That's a completely unrelated question. It has nothing to do with me. Uh, but anyway, so, so anyway, yeah, that's why I'm kind of hobbling along here, I probably won't move as much as I often do. Uh, you know, but I, I ended up face, face planted there. It wasn't even an epic fail, it just looked really lame and my knee just went pop with a really loud noise. So, um, probably that 40 plus years, I guess, is catching up to me. Uh, anyway, so, so I'm lying there and I think the first thought that goes through my head is, oh God, not now, it was only noon on the first of three ski days. <laughs> Right? I got two more to go, and I've already paid for the tickets, right? And, uh, and yet, truly, it was, it was that situation. So, uh, so there, there went uh, days two and three in the afternoon of day one. Uh, but, you know, you get back, uh, I'm visiting family, staying with family, and my kids and other family are off skiing while I'm not. Uh, you know, but, but perspective comes in. You know, it's been an eventful week, so... As much as I kind of am like, oh, why, Lord? You know, I'm also thinking, um, I'm not at war. You know, these are, these are pretty mild, mild problems. And, and we've been through some challenges, perhaps, in the last two years. I don't know if you were aware of that, but we've, we've had some challenges. It's been a challenging time. We kind of, why, God, how long, uh, Lord, is this, is this going to be taking place, you know, so we're, we're in complete states of uncertainty. We've been kept there for, for some time, uh, for some time now, and, and sometimes it's helpful to have a little bit of perspective. You know, we're, tomorrow we're going to have a different look. We're going to have mask mandates. Or what's that going to look like? What's going to happen with COVID? We're left with all kinds of questions. Uh, why does stuff happen? And, and what, what are we supposed to do with it? And that's you know, in a few minutes we've got here today, I uh, just want to address some of those questions. And I don't think I'm going to answer them, but I do hope we leave with a little bit of perspective to help us as we navigate through uncertain times. We're certainly in uncertain uh, times. So we're, we're part of the series here in Exodus. And so we're, we're in Exodus chapter 13, and the verses we're focusing are 20 to 22. But we're going to expand that just a little bit and look, uh, look all the way at... Uh, from verse 17 to 22, just to get the, sort of that bigger context. So if you have uh, Bibles or phones or whatever you're using, uh, chapter 13, let me just read this to you. So starting in verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, uh, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and Return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. And the Israelites went up out of Egypt, armed for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. And he had said, God will surely come to your aid 
and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped by, at uh, Etham at the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So, Lord, we just thank you for your word, and we pray that uh, this morning that we would take something from the, your word and, and be able to, to live it out in our lives in these times. In, in Jesus' name, um, amen. All right, so this morning we're just going to kind of pick away at, uh, at, the, at the verses here, and, uh, and I think that there's something, there's something encouraging maybe we can apply to our immediate situations if, uh, if you're feeling at all uncertain about the world, and how could you not be at, uh, in 2022, I, I, I'm hoping that we're going to see something here that might be, might be of, of help. So we'll just kind of pick away a little bit at, at some of the verses. But we look here at, uh, back at verse 18, God led the people around by the desert road toward the, the Red Sea. And, uh, and verse 20, after leaving Sukkoth, they, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert, or on the edge of, of the wilderness. Now, this story, if it started in chapter 12, is really the, the start of the journey that the Israelites are going to have going into the wilderness, going into the desert. And, uh, and in the Bible, the wilderness represents chaos, uh, very much like the waters, the the waters, the deep, this language shows up uh, throughout, throughout the Bible, and it represents kind of chaos. God has created the world, made a good order, but there's this fight that wants to take over, and it's, it, it can't win. Uh, it's, not a, it's not an even contest, but there's always this, this tension between order and chaos, and, and the desert and the, the wastelands uh, are, are part of this chaotic realm that's opposing God's good order. Uh, and so God, God takes the, the Israelites here, and, and we see he, he leads them by the desert road to the Red Sea, and, and the seas themselves are these chaotic. So, so he's taking them on the edge of chaos, between chaos, the chaotic waters, and the chaotic wilderness. And that's where God takes uh, the Israelites. And, and so we see that, uh, a spoiler here, uh, Israel's going to go into the, the desert, into the, the chaotic realm, and, and they're not going to be great examples of, of how it is to, what it means to follow God faithfully. Uh, God's going to be showing us faithful, as the series here is about, but Israel, Israel is an example of maybe what not to do. So, so just, to, just to skip ahead, um, the, the spoiler here, the getting ahead, they, they come into, this, uh, into the desert, and, and it's not going to be very long once they're in there before they're going to look at Moses and, and, uh, and complain to him. Why did you bring us out here to die? We are better off in Egypt. And, and then they're going to go a little bit longer, and they're going to say, we're thirsty. We're thirsty, Moses. We need something to drink. 
and he's going to miraculously provide them something to drink. And then he's, they're going to say it again in chapter 17. We're, we're thirsty. What are you going to do? Why did you bring us out here, Moses? <sighs> they're not great examples. And Moses, you know, Moses ultimately is going to lose it on them. And that's for later in the story. But, uh, but Israel's not this great example of, of being faithful. But, but we have this sense in which, which God responds to Israel's plight in Egypt, being oppressed and in slavery, and he takes them out of that, and then he leads them to this place on the edge of the wilderness, hemmed in by the seas and the wilderness. And, and that's sort of one of the lessons we might take away when we consider what, how does God deal with his people, and we're his people. And, and one of the ways is that, that God will often take us off of the familiar path. He takes us off and off the familiar path. And he puts us into these positions that look like they're not understandable positions. Uh, and when we get there, our response is often like the Israelites. Very often, we, we would prefer to be in our familiar positions, even though they're not great, rather than trust God to lead us out of them when he takes us by a way that, that looks unfamiliar uh, and harmful, even though what was familiar was, was harmful. So we have this, this, this picture here of God taking Israel out of an unhappy situation and leading them uh, into one that was a little bit uncertain, between the sea and the wilderness. Uh, but we, um, as we, as we continue here, um, we, we see that God is, in fact, leading them. In verse 17, Pharaoh let the people go. Uh, when Pharaoh let the people go, God, it says, he, he led them. He didn't lead them on one path. He led them to the wilderness. And, and again here, when we look at uh, chapter 20, or verses 21 and 22, by the day... The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud. And again, the same word shows up, to lead them. He leads them, guides them on their way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. God takes Israel out of a predicament, an unhappy predicament, and he leads them into an unfamiliar and uh, unpredictable place. But he doesn't just abandon them. The text is really clear. It's not Moses leading the people. It is God leading the people. God is the leader, and he leads them with this pillar of fire, and whether it's one or two pillars, but it's, it's God is, is manifest among his people. He's seen, and the, the, the fancy technical term for that, if you want to come next door and take a class, we'll unpack this, but the, 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 this is a theophany. It's a manifestation of God. Theos, God. Phanato, to see, manifest. God manifests among his people. And we think, well, okay, 
I'd be all right then if, if God was leading me by like this giant smoky lighty pillar. I could follow that, but, but that's not how it is necessarily in my life. I got all this uncertainty, and I'm not seeing that. But what we see actually is that God has left us a witness of himself in a couple of important ways. In, in, in John 14, or John, John, sorry, John 1.14, it says that the word, speaking of Jesus, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. The word became flesh and became the tabernacle among us. And so we have, we have this, this sense of God tabernacling. If we go right to the very end of the book of Exodus, the very last verses, we find this pillar again. This pillar, and, and this is how the book of Exodus concludes. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Israel was instructed to build this permanent, semi-permanent, but movable residence for God to be manifest among them. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle, by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. Going through the chaos, God tabernacled among his people. And what the New Testament tells us is that when Jesus comes, Jesus is the tabernacle of God. He is that manifestation of, of God. You can look later at in Colossians 1 or in, in Hebrews chapter 1, uh, we see here that, that Jesus is the image, the icon of the invisible God. He is the complete manifestation. Hebrews tells us he's the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of God's being. Jesus came to be that theophany, to be that ultimate presence of God. And then we continue to see this language work out because, because Paul tells us uh, in 1 Corinthians, that we are the permanent tabernacle. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples, if I don't go, I can't send the Spirit to come among you. But I do go, and you will have this Spirit, and it will dwell with you. And Paul tells us in a couple of places something really significant about that. So if you mark this 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16, Paul says to the Corinthians, do you not know that your, plural, not singular, your plural bodies, your plural, or you, sorry, you, plural, yourselves, are God's temple, and that God's Spirit lives in you, plural. The, the Spirit dwells in the corporate body, the church. And then a few chapters later, Paul says in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, do you not know that your singular body is a temple of the Holy Spirit 
who is in you, singular, that you, singular, have received from God. The Spirit dwells in us individually and corporately. We can take away from this with this manifestation of God that both the way of Jesus and the witness of the Holy Spirit individually in us and corporately as a community continue to provide that leading and that guidance uh, going forward. And so God continues to lead his people as he did in the wilderness, in the way of Jesus and in the witness of the Spirit. Uh, but God also, as he, as he leads us, we need to be mindful that God is not playing a short game. God's playing the long game. So when we try to make sense of our lives, we need to keep that in mind. And this is something that's sometimes a little bit challenging for us to grasp. Sometimes we get a hint of why stuff happens. So when we look at verse 17 of chapter 13 here of Exodus, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on a road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For, God said, if they face more war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So here Moses gives us a little insight into the decision-making. Why did we go the way that we went into the be on the edge of the wilderness? Well, because you guys might chicken out, and good chance they would have based on their future actions. So sometimes we can see there's a reason for why God is leading us in the way that he's leading us. But very often, we don't get that insight. When we go to uh, verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He'd said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you to this place. Now, the story of Joseph in the end of Genesis is a significant one. And at, at Joseph ends, he's been sold into slavery by his brothers, he's been you know, 20 years in Egypt, and at the end of it, he says to his brothers, look, you meant this for evil for me, but God meant it for good, because there was a famine, and now we're all preserved, and it's all good, and now, and then at the end of his life, the end of Genesis, Joseph says, you know, I'm going to die here in Egypt, but you got to take my bones with me, because God's not going to leave you here, and we think, okay, good, we can see the reasoning behind this, but then we get to God taking Israel out of Egypt, in chapter 12, verses 40 to 41, now it says this. Now, the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. And at the end of 430 years, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. Wait, pause the movie here. Rewind. Joseph said, take my bones because God's not going to leave you. And then 430 years... Later, 430 years of Israel, of God's people being left in Egypt, increasingly oppressed, eventually into slavery, 430 years later, they pick up the bones. And, and again, they're, they're not going to go straight from Egypt into the promised land. They're going to mess up. There's, there's going to be an extra 40 years of wandering, almost half a century those bones are sitting there waiting 
to be moved to where they were supposed to be moved. Joseph's bones had a long wait, and there was no immediate making sense of that situation because God's playing a long game. And that's where the real test of our faith comes. Because sometimes we don't have the insight. Sometimes we don't know why stuff happens. And that's where we have to choose, as followers of God, where we put our faith. Hebrews 11 is a great chapter for you to meditate upon. It's all about those who didn't yet see the promise fulfilled but still held on because they had the faith to hold on. So as we conclude this morning, I'll leave you with three questions for you to think about. The first is, are you clinging to something familiar when God is calling you to step out in trust and go somewhere unfamiliar? Do you trust God or are you clinging to what's familiar and refusing to go and holding back? A second question for you is looking back at the last two years, now I'm visiting so I can say this, uh, but, and I, I don't know anything in particular, so this is not one of those things I'm pointing at anyone, but let's just assume that this church represents maybe the broad swath of society. In the last two years of chaos, how has your behavior in person and, yes, I'll say it, online, how has that behavior measured against God's standards as manifested in the way of Jesus and the witness of the Spirit? Are there maybe some relationships that need to be repaired? Is there some repentance that needs to be sought? Some reconciliation made? And then finally, right now, in this confusing time, are you experiencing confusion in the chaos and uncertainty of this world right now that's threatening your trust in God. And if you are, I'd encourage you, first of all, to gain some perspective that God's ways are, are not our ways, as God says in Isaiah 53. And to take a moment uh, to meditate on that, to contemplate God's ways, and reinvigorate your faith and your trust in him. So I pray God's blessing on you this morning as you, as you continue in the service, and uh, feel free to come visit at the, at the booth afterwards. Thank you so much.